Hi everybody, this is Jamie Resky, and when you hear that song, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. This is episode number 17 by my count, but my count has been a little bit crazy lately because we have been celebrating uh, a little bit of Dave Nelson's life, and as a result, I've had a number of people that I've been uh, calling up on the phone or on the uh, Zoom, and we have been having a great time strolling down memory lane regarding old Nelly Belly. And so who better to stroll down memory lane with than the peanut vendor from Comiskey Park, none other than Greg Harris. Greg Greg was on the uh, show last week and he liked it so much he wanted to come back and he brought a friend with him. And that friend is Scotty Ayer. Scotty was a very, very good friend of Dave's. He lived down the street in Lakewood Ranch, Bradenton, Florida. And uh, Scotty had 13 more years in the uh, major leagues than did Greg Harris nor me. Not only that, five postseasons and just a great career. So you're going to hear from Scotty and Greg in a few minutes. But I told Greg before we would play the podcast interview with him and Scotty that uh, I would exceed, give in, to one of his wishes, because he has a funny sense of humor. Scotty has a funny sense of humor. The show is called The Lighter Side of Baseball, and so, God bless old Greg, he wanted to have something funny to talk about on the podcast. As you know, I'm not that funny. I don't really get too much into humor. I don't have a stand-up routine. I am so far away from as funny as Bob Euchre that you can't even begin to believe how far away I am from Euchre. But I promised I would play an interview from when Scotty was in the White Sox organization, I think, maybe the Cubs. He pitched for both the Cubs and the White Sox, the major league level, and he was interviewed on 670 The Score, one of my favorite stations, and again, I'm sure I'm violating some trademark law, but Scotty was interviewed by, uh, I believe it was Mully and Hanley, a popular show back in the day, and they were talking about Scott's coming back, signing a contract, da-da-da-da-da, but before the interview, Mr. Harris had gotten together with Scotty, and they wanted a little word to be used to let Harris know that Scotty was thinking of him, and that word was pumpkin, okay, pumpkin. Now, you'll hear this interview, but hopefully will come across audibly, and uh, in the interview, it's Scotty Air being interviewed on 670 The Score, and here we go. I'm not as good, I guess you could say. Molly and Hanley, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, we're talking to Scott Air, the Cubs relief pitcher, and Scott, um, situation you've got a uh, a player option on your contract that we're assuming you will be back next year can you uh tell us what i got a player option isn't that what we've been told (laughs) (laughs) yeah i haven't even thought about it yet um i'll be back you know as far as i know unless something drastically changes i don't even know when i have to say yes or no (laughs) did dustin call Um, yet <laughs> I haven't talked to him. Well, but he got the speed. I, you know, it's funny. I don't. I, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention. I, I get up in the morning and hope to catch the highlights of the night before his game, and then I on the road all day with the kids. So good. We have to go buy a pumpkin today. Oh, uh, I did that on Saturday, buddy. Let me just tell you this: beware the squirrels. Two of our three pumpkins uh, might have already been destroyed. Oh, 
from squirrels? The squirrels are eating the pumpkins, man. I, I don't know what to do. I got some ammonia out. I was like spraying have, it on them. And now we have big squirrels here, but I don't. They've never tried yeah. to eat our pumpkin. No, the pumpkin. Two of the pumpkins are gone. One has actually been carved. The squirrel left a nice-looking uh, jack-o'-lantern. I don't know. <laughs> he's he's an artistic yeah. flair. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was a squirrel that you know. Yeah, beware of the squirrels. Stay dangerous. Oh, that's a check. We have so much construction going on here, I doubt the squirrels are around anyways. Uh, uh, seriously, though, Scott, you know, Dusty has to get through Navy Perez on speed dial. The voice is a loop. But if he... And that was the, uh, that was the uh, quid pro quo for uh, Harris bringing Scotty to the podcast table. I had to play the squirrel interview, and so now I have met my contractual obligation, as you know. Uh, we are in the quest for sponsors. Uh, you know, maybe Harris can come up with a sponsor for me. Right now, I'm still negotiating with Papakino, and uh, for those of you who are listening when Papakino opens... You can come on down, I'll buy you a free piece of pie. Yeah, the uh, Papakinos where the slice is as big as your face, and in, <laughs> bigger than Harris's face. But this little squirrel session that started out as a pumpkin session was uh, the uh, preliminary rules for having Scott come on. Not really. Scott is a great guy, great friend of Dave's, and uh, he set no ground rules, and Harris was trying to inject some humor into this podcast and I sincerely appreciate that and I like having uh, Greg Harris who I refer to as Sweet Pea on the podcast. He brings a lot to the table. He's a very thoughtful, reflective uh, entrepreneurial lawyer who as we said on his own podcast a few days ago which might have been podcast 16 we went over the philanthropic things that he does. Great guy, great friend of Dave's, great friend obviously of Scott Ayers and so when I shut down this introduction, we're going to attempt to have my production people marry or put together the Zoom interview that I did with uh, Scott. And so you're going to hear my intro feed, and it will be joined in a minute with me going again with the lighter side of baseball. And uh, then Scott, Greg Harris, and me talking for a little while about baseball, about Nelly, and about what we're doing during the COVID-19 time away from the rest of the world. So if you'll just bear with me on segment number two, we're going to play the podcast interview of uh, Scott Ayer, who had an incredibly successful career in Major League Baseball for 13 years with five different organizations Uh, Scott played for not only the San Francisco Giants and the Toronto Blue Jays, but also the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, and the Philadelphia Phillies being on the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series championship team. And we're going to talk to Scotty about all of those highlights, some of the guys he played with, and the two hits that he got in Major League Baseball. So... There you have it. We will be right back with our Scott Air segment, chaired in part along with my good friend, Greg Harris.
Jamie Uretsky in Kansas City, and I am joined by the guy that won't leave the show, Greg Harris. He was on a couple days ago, broke my computer, but he's back again, and he brought one of his friends and a good friend of Dave Nelson's. We have none other than Scotty Air in, uh, I believe you're still in Florida. Is that right, Scott? I am, Bradenton, Florida. And if we're lucky, you can hear me and Harris can't, but Greg, can you hear me? I'm on. You can't get rid of me. I'm like an ex-girlfriend. I just keep coming back. That's all right. So, well, Scotty, we'll get to your great major league record because you do have a spectacular career that, that Harris and I are jealous of immensely in five postseason appearances. But the other day, Harris gives me some trivia question about the five Georges on the friggin' Cincinnati Reds. So I got a trivia question for him. What is Dave Nelson's first hit? In the major leagues have in common with Scotty Air. Oh God. Uh, they were both strikeouts. No. <laughs> you said first hit? First hit. Oh, the first Scotty hit. Two hits as I understand the record book. Yes. The first uh, one came in St. Louis, Bush Stadium, as I recall. Yes. I don't really recall. I looked in the frame. So come on, Harris, let's go. You give up? Uh it was yeah. off it was off, it was off Manny Ibar. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, it was a uh, – they were both doubles. Here you go. They were both from the left-handed batting batter's box. Nelly's first hit in the major leagues was as a lefty. How was, how was that? It's the Boston Red Sox. Alvin Dark tried to turn him into a switch hitter. In oh, my God, I didn't know that. 68, he got his first hit as a lefty. That's the end of my trivia, man. We're not going to have any more trivia that I. Oh, can... I thought you were going to say it was on the first pitch. <laughs> was that your hit? Yeah, mine was on the first pitch. Man, oh man! Closed your eyes and ripped away. <laughs> Believe it, Ray Durham made a Ray Durham made like an eleven by twelve picture uh, that was in a uh, clubhouse the next day. And I believe I want to say Von Joshua was the hitting coach, but I don't think it was Von Joshua. I think it was uh, oh, um, Buckner. Oh, yeah. I think Buckner was our hitting coach in 97 when I first got called up. I got a hit off of that my first at-bat in Interleague in August. With the and White Sox, right? The White Sox, yeah. Um, right. Man, you played for two of my favorite teams. What do you guys uh, – I know what Harris is up to. What are you doing to pass the time during this COVID-19? Uh, oh, so I wish I had a – I might have a picture somewhere. I'm, I'm building an entertainment center. So you can see my picture, right? I can see the memorabilia, which I'm... Okay, so if I... How do I, how do I double? I don't want to use this thing. The but your listeners so, can't hear. Can't so in that... Oh, that's the cool. listeners, If they yeah. can see that, in between there, there's like that little one we bought. I'm building a... Uh, what is it? I think it ended up being 38-inch tall open cabinet with four, four, I guess, openings and a shelf in the middle and a... Uh, kind of butcher block type top that my boys and I have sanded together. Um, it's been a lot of fun, actually. So I started it when my youngest son went to college in August. Nice. I think I started about then. I got to the framing part, and I got the side, kind of like a side paneling put in. And I got to a point where I'm like, okay, now i got to decide what I'm going to do because I'm not a carpenter. I'm learning. It's been a lot of fun learning um, over the years doing stuff. Uh, I had no skills doing anything, cutting, designing. So it took me a long time to figure it out, and we've been going down there the last couple of weeks doing stuff. And, sorry, I have six dogs. No, no, no. Hey, 
Dog's barking outside. That's the great thing about the lighter side of baseball. We don't care. Dogs, <laughs> She's our early, early warning detection. You got it all. Um, we have a studio. Oh, yeah. But I like your carpentry. It looks great, even though the rest of the well, people can't see it. No, no, that that is not mine. That's the one we bought that just uh, went there. And I'm building one that's probably twice that size. Yeah. Tall. It's got to have a couple shelves, you know, put it in video equipment and stuff in it. And so it's been a lot of fun. We've researching. I didn't even know, like, how to stain something or how, how come know, all the these guys. Like, like Doug Davis, too. All these guys leave the game, and they suddenly become the most handy carpenters, and they're building, you know, swing sets for their kids and stuff. Well, because we, we all can't afford to uh, call, uh, you know, service people to fix everything. we got to figure it out ourselves. Unlike you, you just call somebody. <laughs> hey, you know, I can relate to Harris's methodology. I think it – truthfully – I bet other big league guys would say the same thing. I hate losing, okay? So when something breaks, I got to figure out how to fix it. I just got to. I've figured out air conditionings over the years. Electrical scares the crap out of me, so I don't mess with that. Well, but I figured some things out, and I, it's, it just fixes somehow, or I fix it. My wife's like, how'd you do that? And I go, I really don't know. Well, it looks like you got a pretty good memorabilia collection, which I'm jealous of. Well, I see some of the background there. I I, uh, I collected some things over the years. I think we just we moved into this house about four years ago. We had it built, um, and I put a bunch of my stuff up. And there's, I'd like to actually put up some other stuff. I have some jerseys like a Pudge Rodriguez jersey. Some of the guys that I walk, you know, enjoy playing against on the wall up top over there is a Griffey and a Luis Gonzalez because I faced them quite a bit, and they were just you know. I mean, obviously, ambassadors of the game. Griffey's a Hall of Famer, you know, hit like five homers on or something like that. But uh, just those were the guys that you play the game to face, and that was a lot of fun. Like, you know, was, I, got uh, a funny, I got a lighter side of baseball story for you if you want one. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I, I can walk over. You said they can't. the viewers can't see my video, right? That's correct. So, you know, okay. I can describe it. So, okay. Well, there's a, um, there's a Gonzalez jersey up there, and I had asked him to sign it. I bought one from concessions, you know, whatever, like upstairs. And I you can't see long the jersey, so it's Luis Gonzalez, but go ahead. Luis Gonzalez with the Diamondbacks, yeah. Okay. Numero 20. Um, so I bought a jersey in the, uh, you know, had the clubhouse guy buy me a jersey, didn't have him sign it. And he said something like, I'm not signing that. So he actually gave me one of his jerseys, and I got my money back from my jersey. So oh, it yeah. makes him an instant cool dude off the get-go. And so it says, I'll have to walk over him. I know you can't see it, but I want to get the wording right. Because he signed it, and it was in my locker. It says, Scotty, hate facing you, but I enjoy the matchup. Keep throwing it. All my best, Luis Gonzalez. So I get that jersey in my locker, right? And I come in and pitch that day, and guess who I face? Luis Gonzalez. Gonzo. So I don't remember the exact sequence, but I think it was the second or third pitch, and I smoked him in the elbow with a fastball. Never <laughs> went fastballs inside for a reason. Tried to go fastball inside because I think I had faced him the previous two days in a row. Honestly, I think I faced him three days in a row. And I smoked him. Came back in, and my jersey was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Literally gone. And I got it back as we were leaving. And I didn't say a word. I'm like, what if he's that mad? And I'm like, no, maybe they packed it up. Because, you know, they packed your bag for you. I'm going to say I didn't do it. And I, and I never really checked in the bottom. But when I got – 
the kid brought it back. One of the clubhouse kids brought it back after, uh, you know, we're getting dressed. It's a, it was getaway night, so we were leaving to go somewhere after the game. So I'm, I'm getting my suit, and I'm getting all dressed, and he go, brings in the jersey. He goes, hey, I, he, just, he just got this back to me and said, you know, get this to you before you left. And by, in the bottom of it, it says, and, and you can tell because it's in two different inks, it says, P.S., your fastball hurts. <laughs> I thought that was like one of the coolest things ever. Um, but he's just, he's a special, he was a especially, you know, cool guy. I got to talk to him a few times over the years. He's sides facing him, but that was, I thought it was pretty funny. P.S. Your fastball hurts. That's uh, amazing. There you go. So there's my lighter side story. That's he, a <laughs> he's a good guy. He's out in, uh, he's out in Arizona here, you know, where I'm at right now. And so yeah. we bumped into him in a store and my wife doesn't know his name. She just knows him as the Philip Stein watch guy. So that's it. Oh, he, did he was wearing a Philip Stein. No, he's wearing one. So oh, God. that's all. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty, was he on that uh, Diamondback team that you got that the Cubs faced in, what, 2006 in the playoffs? Um, you know, I – Or was he gone by then? I don't remember, actually. That was such a short series for us. 2008, maybe. Eight, eight, eight. Yeah, yeah it was 2008. 06, um, we were not – not really good. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Yeah. We had some good players. We just didn't have a good year. 08, yeah, was – no, actually, 07, we played the, they played the Diamondbacks. We lost in three straight because we clinched in Cincinnati. Yeah, and then you went to Philadelphia. Then in 08, I was in Philadelphia when they clinched. I got traded by then. That was a good gig. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. I had about five Gonzalez bats. He must have been good buddies with Nelly. Oh, I believe so. I think I thought he actually went and played. Maybe not. I thought no. Maybe he didn't go play in that big tournament. Nelly knew everybody, though, man. Yeah, he did. How did you get to? I know that you lived near <laughs> Lakewood Ranch at some point, but so tell us a little bit of how you got to know. I, I actually first met him. I was on the elliptical trainer, like a pre-court trainer, in the Cleveland Indians weight room. He walks in this, you know, shorter. Black man, full uniform, got his pullover on. And I'm like, well, this guy's been around. Seriously, I remember thinking that. This guy's been around a long time. Just looking at him. I didn't know who it was. And he goes, I hear you're my neighbor. And immediately I'm like, huh? <laughs> if you could see my face, I was like, huh? <laughs> and he says, yeah, I bought a house about three or four down from you in Lakewood Ranch. And, he's, and he looks at me and I go, huh? Because I hadn't moved in yet. I think, well, had we moved in already? I don't know if we'd moved in or not. It was like 98. Could have been 98 or 99 that year. When did we move in? We moved in 98, so it had to be that season. And he uh, started telling me about this and that. I'm like, yeah, I, that is where we lived. And I, I didn't, still didn't understand what he was saying, and I didn't know who he was. And then he finally just walked over and said, I'm Davey Nelson. Um, nice to meet you. We started talking over the years. He ended up, my kids ended up calling. We lived there for about four years, and, I had, you know, by the time Caleb was three or four years old, that's my oldest, Caleb. He, uh, you know, he was Uncle Dave, and his mom was Mother Deer, and they used to jog. Can I go down to Mother Deer's? And they called it Mother Deer's. Yeah. That was his mama. Uh, they'd say, can I go to Mother Deer's and get some animal crackers? And they'd come home with a sandwich bag full of animal crackers. <laughs> um, she was awesome, and he loved her. So, yeah, they, uh, they, got, they used to go when, when I used to run. I don't run so much anymore. I was a starting pitcher back in the day, and uh, 
used to have to go do that long distance running thing. My wife and I would go run and we'd drop the boys. I had an eight month old at the time probably that I was doing that, drop them off with uh, Dave and Melanie when he was dating a girl named Melanie. Uh, and they would like take them in the pool, hang out with them. Dave would take him out in the back of his house fishing. They still remember it. They still remember him. Um, you know, they grew up in, Caleb and I were just talking about him the other day, actually. I told him I was doing this interview. He's like, oh, man. He, he would start talking about Mother Deer. He's like, what did we call her? I'm like, Mother Deer. So, yeah, uh, that, that was how I got to know him. And then just over the years, you know, you, he's such, he was just an awesome dude. That's, that's so, amazing. How many kids out there right now, or not kids anymore, probably yeah. called him Uncle Dave? You know, oh, my God, everybody. Such an impact. Oh, yeah. I, got, I loved watching the, the post-game interviews with the Blue Jets, but the Brewers, the Blue Jets, the Brewers games, uh, and you'd see people in the background all the time. We love Uncle Dave. You know, you see signs, Uncle Dave, talk yeah. about, you know, it's just, it's very cool. That's what he was. He's like that good uncle. So, actually, yeah, he was, um, he was probably more popular after he got out of baseball than he was when oh, he yeah. was playing baseball, and especially in Milwaukee when, uh, when they were in the playoff, when the Brewers were in the playoffs, he would not, uh, get to do the pregame and postgame because yeah. I took over. So we'd go out, kind of tailgate in the parking lot, and Nelly would kind of mosey on out from the from the uh, brewer's <laughs> offices. Man. And then the rest was history. It's like all I turned into was a cameraman. Everybody wanted to, you know, they called him the mayor. He went from Uncle Davey to the mayor. with. Uh, and, he, you know, he remembered everyone's name, too. Oh. You have a five-minute conversation with him, and then a year later he'd be like, hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? Isn't it funny? The uh, oh. you know, he must have like seven hundred god kids. I mean, everybody in the world wanted to be uh, have Dave as godfather. Even Harris, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for a big inheritance, but uh, you know, so he's the, he's the best. He was the best, no doubt about it. And um, lucky to have gotten to know him the way I did, like you said, from being a peanut vendor. So that worked. Uh, it was great. From a peanut vendor to a really good friend and a and a loyal guy to Nelly, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been two years. But uh, you know, we were we were all uh, trying to get a bunch of guys that knew him and could uh, say some fun things about him. There's no reason to dwell on anything but uh, the good times of Nelly. I'm sure you, uh, Scotty, you might have uh, sipped a uh, a bit of wine with Dave uh, from time to oh, time. Oh, that taught me everything I know about wine. Um, he loved Camus. Oh, God. Opus One. He liked his <laughs> Camus. He liked the most expensive wines there was, but then he'd tell me. he. So he gave my wife and I, we went to, when I was with the Giants, it's probably 03, I think, uh, All-Star break. And we went to the Cake Bread Cellars Winery. It was on the oh, tour yeah. thing. And, you know, it's good wine. I didn't know much about wine. And I'm, so what you're tasting is like the high-level wine from the get-go. All the others going to be crap. So, and that's kind of expensive. I didn't make that kind of money to buy that kind of wine. But anyway, Davey gave us, when we got married in 96, or 95, we met and got married in 96. Don't forget that. He gave us, yeah, well, I was making sure. <laughs> he gave us a bottle of 1994 cake bread. So we waited until, I, I believe it was our, I don't even know, I want to say our 10-year anniversary. And we went to a Ruth Chris in town and we took that bottle and had it. Or no, he gave us that. We drank it at some point. And then when we had our tenure and we went to, we were going, he asked me what restaurant we were going to. 
and we were going to a Ruth's Chris. So what does he do? He goes down there and, and gives them a bottle of cake bread to bring to us for our wet, for our dinner wine. Very nice. Wow. Like who does that crap, Davey? I know. He, uh, uh, you know, the interesting thing, he'd like cheap wine too that he could find. Oh yeah. Really good. Oh yeah. He'd tell us about some, you can get some for $10 that are just fine. Yeah. He was into this stuff called goats do Rome from, uh, I don't know if it was a South African wine. I know he's big on South Africa, but uh, he uh, he he really, really, really loved Tom Seaver's wine. And uh, if you got to share a bottle of GTS with him, that was always uh, that was a treat. I managed to uh, confiscate a few cases of wine out of uh, out of Lakewood Ranch before I came back to Kansas. <laughs> But, well, he had so much wine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and he knew so much about it. I mean, he really, really understood it, loved it, and did all those, uh, went out to the wineries and, made, you know, of course, he made friends with, got everybody from Paul McCartney to whoever owned the winery. The guy was, uh, the guy was pretty amazing at, at doing that. But uh, let's talk a, a little bit about your career and especially uh, the south side of Chicago and the north side of Chicago, man. Now, I'm a Sox fan and flipped to a Cub fan. Harris and I both have season tickets for the Cubs. I'm also a Royals fan. You never pitched for the Royals, but uh, nope. Difference between a Reinsdorf ball club and the and the North Side, and nobody's going to hear this. I don't know if I can say that, like uh, like what the Reinsdorf baseball club was back then because I came up when I came up we had. Frank Thomas and Albert Bell and Ventura. Ozzie Guillen's last year was 97 when I came up, but, um, you know, then they had Ray Durham and God, we had, and then, you know, he was the, one of the ones that if you were to look at it now, if I were to look at it back now, I think Ryan Sir Jerry was one of the ones saying, can't pay Clemens that much money. This is a joke. And then he gave Jamie Navarro a whole bunch of money and Albert Bell a whole bunch of money. So, I don't like, I couldn't yeah. compare the two teams, I guess, because in Chicago, I don't even know how to, I wouldn't even know how to describe that. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Well, not really. Which Financial one? part of the team, I mean, we were based in with the White Sox. We have really, I mean, that those years we didn't have the best starting pitching. I mean, not to knock guys, because I, I sucked as a starter too. But like, you know, we had some, they had some, a couple good years out of like James Baldwin, Mike Soratka. Um, Johnny Schneider for a year or two was there. Um, but before that, we had you know, Matt Karchner in the bullpen. We just traded the Cubs at one point. He was like an up-and-coming closer type, eighth-inning guy. You know, when we had Billy Seamus, Folk, and Howery, um, we had some good young pitching. But I don't know if I – it was more of a rebuilding when I was there because with Frank and Albert and all them, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, which was – easier to play was it easier to play the uh the night sort of schedule or of course when you were with the cubs they were playing night games too we had night we still had a lot of day games i i'm i'm was a high energy guy i don't think it really mattered for me i don't know num i don't know numbers wise if i spit at night or during the day but i was it didn't bother me either way i didn't i didn't sleep a whole lot back then the uh <laughs> when you came over to the cubs though i mean you had the opportunity to play for two managers who are perceived, and I'll, I'll use that word as my Cub fan word, perceived as being two of the greatest managers around at the time 
with Dusty Baker and Lou Pinella. What do you think about playing for those guys? Well, Dusty was one of the re- – I had him in San Francisco in 02 when I got traded out there from the Blue Jays and went to the World Series for just there for a few months with him. And then I had Felipe Lou, you know, two very similar chill, layback type managers. And then in 06, you know, Dusty was done after 06. and 07, they signed Lou. And I was excited because I was like, oh, man, this guy's hard-nosed. He loves the win, blah, blah, blah. And I just – I started off in a rut. And I gave up a couple hits in my first few outings and then never could get on the good side. And I didn't pitch very well the entire first half for him. But I can't – you and I have talked about it. I'll never say anything bad about him because I could have just gone to the clubhouse and said, dude, Lou, what the hell? Why can't I pitch? What, what, give me in a game. That's just not who I was, and I didn't say anything, and I just never could get in the game. Well, and then, maybe if you had have said something, he might have known your name. Well, you know, he just figured <laughs> Stevie Iyer was a good pitcher, and Scott Ayer sucked. So, so, so yeah. for, for those of you that don't know, that's oh, yeah. you know, Lou Pinella's on an interview after the game, and I'm watching this interview on TV, and he's talking about the game, and Scotty was in, and he, you know, gave up a hit or whatever. And No, 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 yeah. Go ahead, you I, tell him. I hadn't. I hadn't been pitching very much, and I pitched two innings scoreless against Pittsburgh in like a rainy, drizzly night. And we ended up losing in like the 12th or 11th or something extra inning. But I pitched really well that night. You know, I hadn't pitched in a while. I got a few lefties out, and after the game, he's talking, and and oh man, what's his name? Pete Peter, right next to him, our PR guy. Oh my gosh, he came from the Red Sox, but good dude. Can't think of his last name. But he was standing right there, and Lou was telling us, you know, he's like, you know, to look at the positives in this game, you know, and, and he kind of, he's, you know, on, the, on, a, on, a, on a positive note, you know, and he looks up at him, he was, you know, the, the one guy, the one guy, you know, Stevie, Stevie Iyer, you know, he pitched really well tonight in his two innings. And I'm, <laughs> I'm in my dug, I'm in my chair. I'm, I, I think I had ice on my shoulder still. I'm looking at the TV like this. You guys get to see me. I'm like looking up at the TV. I'm like, oh, my God, he just called me Stevie Iyer. I'm leaving. <laughs> And I think it was like Ted Lilly and Dempster were like, yeah, we're yelling, where are you going? Stevie, where are you going? <laughs> so I, I just kind of blew it off like, oh, I don't really care. He doesn't know my name. Maybe he'll put Stevie in tomorrow. I think it was my comment to the trip the next day. Um, so then, then the so next then, time you go in. Well, it wasn't quite the next. Well, maybe it was the next time. No, it might have not been the next. I, had to get, I ordered a glove that said Stevie Iyer on it. I have it in here somewhere, I think. Um, I play catch with it still to this day. Uh, <laughs> so I, I told Brindley, you know, Bob was our announcer, and I told Bob, I said, and, Kat, and Lynn Casper, I said, so next time I pitch, give my, uh, give my glove, uh, tell the cameraman to zoom in on my glove a little bit, would you? And they're like, okay. And I, I looked at him one day, and I played catch with it for a few days. Just, no, I'm not going to take a brand-new glove out there to, you know, to, make a, to make a funny and have a ball bounce out of it. So I made sure it was kind of broken in first. I think I used it for a couple of days playing catch, but uh, so as I come set, I normally came set with my glove hand, but kind of at my hip. Well, today I just happened to put it. Remember how, how John Lester turns his glove over, kind of by his face when he up by his chin. Right. Yeah. You can picture how Lester does that. I kind of put my glove up like that, so that the camera that was zooming into my face could clearly see my glove. Did not say Scott Air. S T E V I E. I R E Stevie Iyer, and I got so many letters saying that was funny, and Louis even laughed about it because he walked by my 
my dug my locker the next day. Now he didn't talk to pitchers a lot, let alone me a lot. Um, then he, excuse me, he walked by my locker the next day and he goes, "That was a that's a good one, Stevie. Good job, by the way." Or so he said something complimentary. You know, I like I told him. You know, I just, some people match mash, some people don't. It sucks that I didn't pitch better, but you know, I still love the city. I think it's awesome. I was excited. Stayed up till one o'clock when they won a World Series. That was awesome. I was very happy. Few people that I knew there. Um, it's just one of those things, you know. I got to Philly that year, and I got it turned over a little new leaf and pitched well and won a World Series. No kidding. What was Ted Lilly like? You mentioned Ted. I always thought he was, from a fan standpoint, he was a tough dude. Oh, he is. He, he's he's a guy you want to take in, take into a fight with you, man. He, he'll go to war for for anyone. But he's a good dude, and, you know. Kind of like that quiet, little dark little bit um i some of the stories i guess uh it's probably not even rated for this um just he's a good dude i, I don't even know what else to say he was he's, he worked his butt off i know that uh, he worked really hard speaking of uh going back to wine and going back to dusty baker have you ever had his wine red stitch I have had a bottle. Uh, no, no, I don't think I have, actually. You know, it's pretty good. Again, another collection from David Earl Nelson that I happen to leave Lakewood Ranch with, but it's not bad. Actually, if it, you know what? I do. I think Davey did give me a bottle then because he yeah. gave me six or eight bottles one, one afternoon or something before I was, when I was moving. So if he's had it, when were you there to visit him? Because this would have been long before that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm talking about after he passed away, we uh, we don't. Oh, no, it would have been before that thing, because Red Stitch. That one just sounds familiar when you said it. Well, so it's got I, a, as, the, well as the name would indicate, it's pretty. It's got a pretty cool uh, logo with the red with a baseball stitch on there, sort of like Tom Seaver's got a baseball on the top of his wine. Pretty cool stuff. So, Philadelphia World Series. That's got to be pretty, pretty fun. Pretty good. Well, sorry, you cut out. Who was the manager in the Phillies? Oh, sweet Charlie Manuel. Sweet, sweet. Um, good, good, good country guess. boy. Charlie told me the first. So when I first got to Philly, I, you know that I had I was in Chicago and I hadn't been pitching a whole lot. Um, so I when I when I was designated to be traded or you know flat out released, I don't think I had pitched in five or six days before that. And then you go on 10 days, you know, waivers. So it was like 11 days before when I got claimed and went to the Phillies. And then when I first got there, they wanted to put me on the disabled list because it would be retro. I could go throw twice in AAA and then, you know, be ready. And I, I looked and Charlie looks at me and he's got that, you know, like a West Virginia type accent. He's like, what do you want to do? And then, you know, what you won't do? Something like that. And I looked right at him. I, go, I really just want to pitch. I don't want to go on the DL. I'll pitch tonight if you want me. I just need to throw a bullpen. I'll be ready to go. And he goes, well, all right then. <laughs> he goes, that's decided. Or something, you know, that's decided. It was something to that effect. And right then and there, I knew. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is straight chill. I'm going to love him. And, you know, well, like I said, it wasn't – I've always wished I pitched better when I was in Chicago because it just, you know, it's the competitor. And you not feel bad that I pitched bad. It happens. Like, I didn't think I pitched as bad as I think I did. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Well, I always think I suck, suck. But, but, they, but didn't they try to change you up in Chicago because you were you were like too slow or something, and then they were trying to, tried speak. to change a few things. But nah, that was that. Nah, I would never use that as an excuse. I just didn't. I just I wasn't hitting my spots. I wasn't making the best choices of pitches, so to speak. Um, and that's more of me and like whoever our catcher were. You know, not being on the same page and me shaking to a different pitch, most likely. <laughs> Well, Geo was pretty good back there, Soto. <laughs> I was going to say there's probably 30 million guys that are so envious that you were able to have a 13-year career. Oh, envious that. of taking the mound one one night's just a a great deal. Harris, you got any? I know you're dying to talk about the. Uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead, let's hear it. All right. Well, funny you should mention that word pumpkin so like scotty told you that uh when he was pitching and and lou pinella called him the wrong name he subliminally puts it on his glove so that he can you know have a little joke while he's actually doing his job and, and pitching well so i had heard uh scotty said he had some interview coming up on the radio and i said all right you know that's great i'll, I'll be listening but i want to make sure you sneak in the word pumpkin Somewhere in that interview. I think you started with a different word. And I'm like, no, not that. And you came up with that. Pumpkin might have been your <laughs> We settled on pumpkin. And it was, it was early October. So, you know, I figured it was a, wasn't that hard. But in listening to the interview, you could see they're asking him questions. And he's, he's giving answers. And you could see his head is elsewhere because he's kind of just giving answers. Not the normal Scotty. But you're just waiting for it to happen. So <laughs> I happened to dig out my old iPod and have it found this queued up here and I'm going to start playing uh it's about 30 you know this is three minutes into the interview already where I could see he's not he's kind of off but I had to figure out the best time. how what I had to figure out the best time to get it in there so oh, okay to get in. And, and if you if you listen he wants to make sure I hear it as if I can't hear it so you can cut you could tell me to cut it off after I you, gave you a shout out at the end I heard him hey wait when I listened to it I heard him give you a shout out dude I gave you a shout out to my boy <laughs> At the end. All right, here we go. Here we go. Tell me if you can hear this when it starts playing. Can you hear that? Yeah, it sort of sounds like Bobby Thompson hitting the home run. Okay, so he's up for a new contract, and they're asking him about the contract. There it is. Now. All right, I, I got to shut it off. But the funny thing is, he starts talking about the pumpkin. Next thing you know, for two minutes on his interview, they're talking about squirrels eating the pumpkins with, you know, on Chicago sports radio. So <laughs> I I'm pretty even... good about deterring that one. And I, and I just did it here on this podcast, too. So I'm pretty proud. <laughs> there you go. We couldn't, I'll tell you what, uh, Sweet Pea, we couldn't hear, we could hear your delight. And, and I had listened to the squirrels and I had uh, listened to the uh, Scotty talk about how the squirrels weren't so bad in Florida as apparently they were in Chicago. But 
when I do an intro into this, I will play what you sent me, which will be far more audible, and we'll get it in because it is funny. And there you go. It, uh, it makes uh, it makes Harris's day. Hey guys, I'm going to wrap it up, and when I do, don't get off the don't get off the line because I'll come back to you. But uh, this has been a, a fun deal, Scott. Thanks for putting up with uh, oh. me, and thanks My for. Pleasure. Thanks to Greg for joining in and, and talking about uh, uh, his pumpkin story, which is priceless on oh, everything else. <laughs> you guys like Pepsi? Hey, I love uh, Pepsi, but I like that book better. I like this guy. All right. And for the lighter side of sports, I'm Scott Ayer and Greg Harris, my buddy down in uh, Scottsdale. This is Jamie Retsky in Kansas City saying have a great day.